You should have seen my kids. They looked at me like I was God when I said I was going to be on a podcast. <laughs> they thought it was awesome. And Malachi was like, you're going to be on a podcast? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to our guest. I'm here with my friend Dan Esch from Flashpoint Missions. And so, again, thanks, man, just not only for doing this podcast, but for investing in the lives of many around the globe now it is. And um, even Friday evening when we were together at the dinner, um, thinking through how many years we've actually been friends. And, again, there's just been so many different seasons of that. Um, we won't uh, – I don't think we need to peel back all of those seasons. Mm, but when I actually look at the amount of years that we've been friends um, and to have you – so I'm saying thank you for your friendship is what I'm saying. Uh, in addition to thank you to being here today, it's a privilege to have you. Yeah, well, the privilege is all mine. It's been a great friendship, <laughs> yeah, and I appreciate you. So. Good. So I would love if you would just share with our guests here a bit what you invest your time into I know there's different areas, and so I would just love to hear, like, when you think about what you invest your time into, what are those areas? So I know Flashpoint Missions is one of those. Certainly feel free to expound on that one, obviously, but what do you invest your life into? Uh, so investing my time, I'd like to think primarily, obviously, my walk with God, mm. time in the Word, time in prayer, uh, although, unfortunately, that's not the, the bulk of my life, of course. Mm. Um, I also have a family and so I believe in investing in my wife mm. and my children um, I feel like that's an opportunity that's so fleeting and it comes and goes mm. and try as I might I can't quite grab a hold of it some days you just want to make time stop and so that you could continually pour into this one portion that's not the way it works and so you have to set boundaries you have to catch those snatches of time when they're available when they present themselves and so uh, I try to invest time into my family uh, in a normal family context, of course. Mm -hmm. Take my wife out for a date occasionally, um, spend time with my kids, playing ball in the yard, playing games. Mm -hmm. And then, um, of course, in the context of work, um, still do some construction. About half of my week looks like a construction handyman, um, you know, going to work, doing jobs for people in their houses. Mm -hmm. um, and finding some financial return there. And then the rest of my week typically is invested into Flashpoint missions, mm -hmm. um, expanding relationships, mobilizing people, um, really trying to see the vision that God has for Flashpoint missions be realized and multiplied. And so a lot of that's just relational mm -hmm. um, meetings, presentations, uh, really just cultivating partnerships with other people with like like-minded visions and mm. passions and things mm. like that. That's kind of what my week looks like in mm. a nutshell. That's what yeah. I invest my time into. Yeah. So what does Flashpoint do? What is your main vision and mission of Flashpoint? Uh, so real simply put, Flashpoint Missions is a support organization for existing missionaries, ministries, people on the front lines of evangelism, uh, doing the work of ministry and evangelization, really. Um, and we do that by supporting them in the area of construction. We organize and send teams of laborers. Uh, it is astonishing when you think about the potential for those who are already in ministry to expand their time spent ministering if 
people come alongside them and take the practical elements off their hands and out of their time mm. constraints. And so you just see uh, ministries, our, our goal, our vision would be to see ministries spending more time doing their work uh, because mm. they have they have the connections, they have the relationships, they have all these things in place to go and build the kingdom. And we don't want them to be staying at home because they need additional housing or because they need to expand their operation or their warehouse or build a new school. Or, mm. um, so our vision would be to, to go and to build, practically speaking, for the kingdom mm. so that they can go and build the spiritual kingdom. And so we just mm. kind of see us uh, see ourselves as a, as a support ministry coming alongside, coming yeah. underneath people who are already doing the work of mm. ministry and enabling them to do more and to mm. go further, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. And I think what, what stands out to me is even the, your personal journey and process in founding Flashpoint Missions, and it's been how many years now? Five, six years? Well, it's been three years since we've existed as an organization. Yeah. Uh, we've been doing this in some capacity since 2016, so that's mm. already seven years, I right. guess. Yeah. yeah. And so I think what – just take me back to, like, how did Flashpoint start? Like, when did the idea first enter your brain of, like, wait a minute, this is this could be something? Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's a pretty cool story, actually. God's stories usually are pretty cool. <laughs> They're better uh, than ours, right? Yeah, yeah, they are for sure. This one's personal to me, too, so I really think it's cool. But um, So, in brief, I, I got born again in, in uh, 2013, no, 12, 2012, and uh, instantly felt stirring in my heart to get involved. Like, I just couldn't see myself... Uh, sitting on the sidelines, it just Time felt to like get in the, the, game. the obvious response to what God had done in my heart was to put something back in, if that makes sense. That's mm. a bad way to say it, but I just needed to get involved, but I had nowhere to go. I didn't have a million connections in missions, um, weren't part of a church at that point in time that was sending missionaries. And so really my, my boss at the time, uh, Jay Elam King at Scenic Ridge Construction, invited me and my wife on our first mission trip, <laughs> which was a construction trip yeah. uh, to YWAM uh, Kona there in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And uh, really during that month, I went from somehow this subconscious idea that construction is secular and not yep. spiritual. It's not connected to what God wants me to do in my life. Uh, but I did it because I needed to make a paycheck, right? Needed mm-hmm. to make a buck. Uh, and God began to transform that that idea and saying, no, actually, I can use that. Well, we're not going to waste the past 15 years of your career in construction, but we're going to harness it and wow. use it. And uh, one of the things you got to understand is they're in YWAM Kona. You've been there. Yep. They house their volunteers there in a little compound called... Aliola. I yeah. remember the little little huts, right, where we all stayed, little cabins, yeah. if you will. And on the side of each one was a Bible verse. Mm. And on the side of the one right next to ours was Colossians 3, uh, 17, I think it is. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do you all in the name of the Lord Jesus, mm. giving thanks. Yeah. And every day I would walk past this Bible <laughs> verse. And every time I looked out the window, I would see this Bible verse. And it was somewhere maybe in like week three. And I actually began to realize suddenly, wait a minute, that means all things. That means what you and what you've been giving your life to. Yeah, Yeah. that means that I can actually swing a hammer in the name of Jesus. That means I can run a saw or a bulldozer or a computer or cook food. Or these wheels started to turn in my mind going, wait a minute, there is no distinction. There is no separation. Mm. 
bring all things, all areas of your life, all of your activity into subjection to Christ mm. and do it thankfully. And so that began to really shift my perception of, of construction, even my daily work. Uh, and I began to realize that the work of my hands, even if I'm working for a paycheck, is an act of worship to God. Mm. And so uh, coupled with that, I spent a month at YWAM's international headquarters where they constantly have missionaries from all around the world yeah. coming and going, right? At it's a real crossroads. you might meet people from 10 different nations, yes. right? And by and the end I of the did. day, probably from 50 different nations. Yeah. And I did. And uh, many times the conversation would go like, hey, what are you doing on the island? Because mm. they would assume we were in a school. And I'd say, no, we're not in a school. We're, you know, we're pouring concrete up by the condos or we're working in the cafeteria building this or that. And I was amazed at how many people's response was, man, that's really awesome. Like, would you consider coming to our ministry in the Dominican Republic or mm. in Panama or in Alaska or California? Uh, would you consider coming and helping us build this or that or the other? We have need, we need this and that. And so those two things simultaneously coming together were a realization of all things are spiritual. Do all things in the name of Christ. And then at the same time, began to realize that this was a real need. Mm. I guess I had sort of run on the assumption that, you know, in our culture, you want to build something, yeah. you just call a few buddies, grab yeah. some tools and build it. It's yeah. not a big deal. The wealth of construction knowledge in Lancaster yeah. County we take for granted and have taken for granted for decades. Yeah, it's it's unreal. And so it didn't cross my mind that there were Bible translators in Africa that didn't know how to build an office or a house. It di didn't really cross my mind that there might be an orphanage in the Dominican Republic that needed an addition put on, and they're already short-staffed, they're already overworked, and they're turning away children, but they, they can't even grasp the idea of how big of a project this is going to be of building this, mm -hmm. you know? Or new ministries expanding into new areas. They need housing for a missionary family that's going to move there, or they need a building to run, you know, a discipleship training school, or whatever it may be. And so these two realizations came together simultaneously during our time in YWAM Kona there. We were there for a month. And by the time I left that island, I had a brand new plant. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I think there was a specific relationship that was developed at Kona as well, right? Was that with Rob or with Sam from, yeah. from Last Frontier? And that was also like, it gave you a practical next step of like, here's people that we actually want to invest in, right? It's well, funny story actually is they, they, they weren't really, Alaska wasn't really where I wanted to go. <laughs> I mean, I wanted to go to Alaska, of course, you know. Yeah. I always wanted to go to Alaska, outdoorsy type, growing yeah. up here and dreamt of the mountains in Alaska and all that. But um, I left that island after a month with, I think, four or five phone numbers from different organizations that had said, hey, call us. We'd love to have you come and help us mm -hmm. build things. And uh, my first pick, actually, was the Dominican Republic. Yeah, because go to the yeah. a more tropical yeah. area. <laughs> well, I actually had a logical reason for it, too, because I've discovered it's much easier for most construction workers in Pennsylvania to take time off work and go somewhere and volunteer in the wintertime. Right, Because yeah. construction here tends to slow. Yeah. The boss is like, sure, go take two weeks. I don't mind. Yeah. You try that in June, sometimes it's like pulling hen's teeth because yeah. people are busy. Weather's yeah. nice. Who wants to leave Pennsylvania in June? And you're not going to build in Alaska in the winter, right? That's right. <laughs> and so that was my thinking was, hey, mm -hmm. we should go to the DR. Um, but to make a long story short, uh, I lost all of those phone numbers. Within weeks after I got home, I could not locate them. I was sure I'd put them in my desk, couldn't find them. So I couldn't call anyone. I came home all full of this new excitement and this new vigor, and I was going to go do all five of them, you know. Uh, next week probably would have yeah. been the, the, the best-case scenario. Yeah. 
Um, but we had a young family at the time. We were expecting a baby. And through a series of events, we ended up that same year selling our house, moving, uh, having a baby. And I lost all those phone numbers. And so I was sitting here actually in frustration going, I feel like I'm supposed to do this. Why did all these contacts get taken away? And I couldn't do anything about it. Mm. The only one who called me was Sam Kimmel from Last Frontier Ministries in Alaska. So he, he reached had, out to you. Yeah, he reached yeah. out to me, re- reconnected in that way. And they were like, hey, we really need you to come up and help us build this. Mm. And so that was kind of why we ended up going to Alaska instead of going somewhere yeah. nice and warm where there's palm trees. <laughs> uh, Alaska's awesome, though. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It really has captured a piece of my heart over yeah. the past few years. But that was yeah. kind of the early beginnings was just grab a few friends. Hey, we're going. You know, I remember telling people, I don't really know these guys. I don't really know where we're yeah. going or what we're getting yeah. into, but we're going to go to Alaska for two weeks and build mm-hmm. something. And uh, on that trip, really established a great friendship with Rob Graham and Sam Kimmel there at Last Frontier Ministries. Uh, their ministry, their their calling really grabbed my heart and really just wanted to return and continue helping mm-hmm. them build. And so for the first few years, we operated almost, uh, not officially, but almost as an agent of Last Frontier Ministries, mm-hmm. if you will. We did presentations for them. We helped raise funds for the project. We organized volunteer teams solely for Last Frontier Ministries mm-hmm. and helping them build their campus and start their DTS there in, in uh, uh, Healy, Alaska. And then uh, it was kind of word started to get out into different organizations there and we started to get requests from other ministries and after a bit it's like well, wait a minute like it was getting way too big mm. for one person we were channeling all the funds through our personal checking account yep. there was no accountability no oversight and so we really felt like god was releasing us into the next stage which was establish a 501c3 mm-hmm. you know establish a board of directors some structure and which is now known as Flashpoint Missions, and so that was it. it you know, you can you can blame it on that Bible verse if you want. <laughs> um, still one of my or favorites, it. but it, <laughs> it, it is yeah. it's a simple response to a simple uh, direction. Yeah. Do yeah. all things in the name of yeah. Christ, and so yeah. um, you know, I'm not even out there trying to convert everyone into a mission builder. Mm-hmm. It's just whatever you're doing, whatever you're setting your hand to. Whatever God has called you into, if you do it in the name of Christ, it cannot fail. He'll breathe on it. It's all kingdom. Amen. Yeah. And so I think back to those early days, and I think we maybe even talked. I forget where I was traveling or whatever, but I remember you saying, like, yeah, you're going on this, you know, you're going to go do this project in Alaska for, I think it was two weeks. You're going to let your family behind, and, man, you're rallying a crew, and do I want to be part of the crew or whatever? And so um, obviously as a as a – husband and a father to some young children and and this idea and this passion and, and and these things are stirring for you and then you take that step of okay i'm going to leave my family behind and i'm going to go to alaska i would love to um hear a bit more about what's your process been as a family from this in kona i have this awareness that we're called to something and as, as as the husband, as the father, they're looking to you for leadership. I would just love to hear your process a little bit, what that's been for your family and since the early days of Flashpoint. Well, I, I'm, I'm blessed with an incredible wife, mm. first of all. Catherine's been on board from day one. She's been uh, my biggest fan, for sure. Um, and one of the things also that we saw that mission-building brings to the table in terms of value is the fact that it's 
it's something that families can do together. Mm. And, and our heart, even as we were getting involved in different areas of ministry, I dabbled in some prison ministry for a while and some different things like that, was a lot of times it required me to leave my family for a time and go somewhere. Mm. And I would go and I would encounter God and I would see God move and I would come back full of fire and vigor, ready to lay down my life for the gospel. And, you know, a lot of times for the wife, that's a difficult time because mm-hmm. she's just at home with the kids struggling to get through the week and she's not that excited about the concept when dad comes back home, mm-hmm. right? Understandably so. And so we really prayed that God would call us into a ministry that we could do together. Whatever mm-hmm. that looked like, we weren't sure. But we wanted to do it together. And so we had actually planned to go to Alaska together. That was our that was our initial plan. When it came down to it, it was the cost of airline tickets, cost of the trip. We just couldn't do it. We couldn't see it. And so... Yet we had committed to it, so we felt like we should follow through. And so I, I left the family and went for two weeks. Um, I don't like to do that. At least I try to minimize it as much as I can. But I did, and we established that connection. And um, a part of the process certainly has been in um, we've had our challenges, especially in the area of communication. I would too often run out front without mm. clearly communicating where we're going. And that caused, you know, some some real challenges in that area. But as we began to do these trips together, uh, we began to realize probably the the best realization was maybe along about 2019. We spent 10 weeks in Alaska living in a camper, um, raising our children <laughs> in the public eye. It was an incredibly challenging time, but also such a blessed time. And I remember talking with Catherine about it, and we basically came to this conclusion that it doesn't matter as much where we are, anywhere in the world, uh, we can do it if we're doing God's work and we're doing it together. Mm. If you're in synergy and, yes. and in agreement and in unity around it. Yeah, and so it has sort of taken the shape of a uh, little less focus on where we live, where we go, or how long we stay there, and a little more focus on let's make sure we're together. Are we together? Not just physically together, are we pooling together? Mm. And so it's been a learning process for sure. And then as the children started to grow, uh, at first they were real young and didn't really have an awareness as much. It didn't bother them as much to change location and to move around. Um, Then that presented a new set of challenges because we found that our children sometimes struggled with the transition even more than we did because we were adults. We could understand what was going on. Grapple through your emotions and all of that. At least to some degree. you know. But they were five, six, seven years old. And when you go back to church after you're gone for three months, it's a challenge for a kid. He feels a little out of place. Mm -hmm. His friends have moved on without him, honestly, right? And then, you know, you're in that context for a few months, and then you leave again. And then they don't know anyone there. And so there's this constant transition that was very challenging for the children. But eventually what it caused us to do was to to grow closer as a family Mm -hmm. and to once again realize, even for the children to realize that, hey, we're with dad and mom. We're we're with we're together as a family unit and we can begin to do these transitions better and better, still have friends, still have deep connections, certainly still miss people and things wherever we go, mm. but it becomes more possible because we're doing it as a team now. Mm. And the children grow. You know, now our oldest is eleven. Uh they're much more capable of taking care of themselves when we travel. I mean yeah. they're they're veteran travelers, to be honest with you. <laughs> They're world travelers. They're used to point. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
in fact, funny story, if I may, just yeah, a few, yeah. just a few weeks ago when we got home from Alaska, uh, we were gone for, a, I think, a total of four months and maybe some change, a week mm. or two. I'm not sure. And we were home for maybe three or four nights, and I was tucking in the kids one night, and I was trying to ask them how they're doing, you know, trying mm. to sort of check on them. And I asked Abby, I said, so, you know, do you, do you enjoy being home now? Does it feel really good to be home? Are you missing Alaska? And she thought a little bit, um, and she's eight years old. She thought a little bit, and she said, well, it was nice to be home and to see everyone and to see everything, but I've seen it now, and I, I would want to go somewhere again. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's crazy. We've been yeah. home for like four days. Yeah. I'm not ready to go anywhere. I'm, I'm yeah. enjoying being at home. Yeah. Uh, so they have certainly grown up like that, and they don't mm-hmm. really know anything else. Yeah. And so I just hope that we can point that in a healthy direction mm-hmm. and continue to uh, do this as a family unit, mm-hmm. whatever we do, whether it's staying home or going somewhere. Um, and at times it's going to require some separation for a time, but I think even that we can learn how to do it together. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of it's just been trial and error, lots of mm-hmm. you know disappointments, lots of, I'm not going to lie, some conflict along the way, miscommunications. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> But you learn and you grow and God has grace and he brought mm. us through it. And so um, I think it's brought us closer as a family. Mm. And I'd like to think that it's made us stronger. Mm. Really what I'm hearing is you feel like if you develop that stability within your family, you can take that stability wherever you live, ideally, and then yes. live from that place as a stable family <clears throat> unit is really what I'm hearing. Yes. And then I often think about it, too. Like if you are one of your children now, you know, we think about biblical worldview or expanding your worldview and whatever. So there's there's trade-offs. There's going to be pros and cons, don't matter how sure. we grew up, what environment we grew up in. But I think one of the positives I see for your kids is this, man, a worldview. Like, they're living it. It's not just an idea. It's not just a textbook. It's not just something they're reading. They're living it. And they're learning how to live cross-culturally. And if you can do that as a child and grow up in that and have that still have the stable family unit, like, what does that that compound into over time, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm just struck by that. Uh, And it sounds like you're seeing the early returns of that already. Yeah, it's not without its pitfalls. I mean, it could really go bad really fast as well. And so I certainly have have my concerns. Um, Children tend to do well in stability, in Mm. stable situations. They want to know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? Mm -hmm. So it's it's challenging. I want to make sure that it doesn't have a damaging effect on them. Mm. Uh, You know, certainly they're growing up so fast that we're already well through the formative years. And so whatever has happened already has happened and is bound to take its effect. And yet I still feel like in the next 10 years, we have an opportunity to uh, not just tell them that they should go and work for Jesus, but to let them see what it looks like. Mm. And that's, that's what we want to do. That's what we're trying to do. Experiential learning. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, do you have any highlights of, of impact that you've seen? I think one of the things I'm struck by is again, you set out on this mission of we're going to, empower missionaries we're going to build construction projects awesome and great but somewhere along the line you started seeing transformation in people that went on the teams share a little bit i just love to hear a little bit about that like the transformation you're actually seeing on people that sign up for a trip how did that come about when was that sparked when did you start seeing the early fruits of that uh so i really got to credit my friend rob graham for a lot of that he he loves people very well um and working with him, 
on this Last Frontier Ministries project in Alaska. Um, I, I'm from Lancaster County. I'm results-driven, right? <laughs> get we're going to build things. <laughs> yes, get the project done. We're gonna, you're here to work. Yeah. We're going to build things faster and better than anyone else, right? Mm. And so I, I tended to probably lean too far that way. Yeah. And it was Rob, actually, who first approached me. I think it was in 2018. And he said, hey, uh, you know, it's great that we're building things really fast because it was his building. Of course, mm-hmm. he wanted it done. But he said, I feel like we have an opportunity because we have these volunteers for two weeks. What would it look like if we took a little more time out of the work schedule and began to pour into the people that are doing the work? Mm-hmm. And um, I, I took that to heart, and we began to, we began to see our volunteers not only as people that could come and work and get work done for us or for the ministry that we were building for, but as real people. <laughs> actual and relationships yes, forming. Huh? actual yeah. relationships forming. We began to see value in that. And so we transitioned from a 15-minute devotional that, in some ways, I'm going to be honest, was just kind of a nod toward, well, you're supposed to read the Bible every morning, so we're going to do that, and then mm-hmm. let's quick go and get a bunch of work done. And we turned it into an hour-long worship, prayer, and Bible study session and really just saw real relationships begin to blossom out of that, um, began to see lives being changed, light bulbs going on in people's minds as they began to learn and grow in that area and have these discussions. Uh, people getting born again right there in our morning devotional, and that really rocked my boat when I began to see the potential of that. Um, it was a part of the original vision that God had shown me in mm-hmm. 2014, but somehow I had sort of lost sight of that portion of it yep. and was focusing more on the work, on the yep. building part. Um, and I think when it really began to strike me uh, for the potential compounded impact, if you want to call it that, was uh, I think it was in t- 21 maybe. Uh, we had a team of volunteers in, in Alaska working on a project, and we were sharing in devotions one morning, and uh, particular addiction was a topic of discussion that morning. And by the, everyone started to share and talk. And by the end of the discussion, it turned out that four of the people in the room uh, shared that their journey toward freedom from addiction had started in morning devotions on a Flashpoint team. Wow, and I was so struck by that and blessed by that. But then on top of that, there was a fifth volunteer in the team who said that his journey had started, his journey to freedom from addiction had started at a Bible study that had been formed by a guy who was on a Flashpoint <laughs> team the yeah. year before. So this guy volunteered, was impacted came home and started a Bible study group with his friends. And so that was when I began to realize that this is way bigger Mm -hmm. than me or Mm -hmm. any other one person, that we could actually quit what we're doing today and the ripples would continue into eternity, really. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that really has uh, opened our eyes to the potential for God to do a work that we could never even imagine. We didn't even think about that at the beginning, right? And so uh, God compounds these things into something bigger than we ever expected, for sure. It's amazing. It's even at our dinner Friday night, uh, we were talking about that a little bit. Somebody shared that you see 1% of the impact you actually are having. There's 99% of it that you don't see. And that's really what I think of when you're talking about this is, and we're we're created to live a life of meaning. We, We desire meaning. We want our lives to matter. And that's why we're sharing here today about lives of significance is like you say that to me that's a life of significance that you've invested in something 
Flashpoint could end today, your life could come to a close today, and the ripple effects would continue. And we don't we don't need to know we can't equate the results number one, and we don't need to know the results right. number two, right? But that's just you know, incredible. So when I when I think about what you are investing your life in, and obviously some challenges that you've faced. Do you have any challenges that you can share or you want to share, whether what you face in the past or what you're facing now as a as a leader, as a husband, as a father, or as a ministry? Uh, certainly the biggest challenge we faced is what we already discussed, is that attempting to uh, coordinate and protect some sort of family stability mm. while still answering the call of God, because... Mm. Uh, I think one of the main attack points for the devil in destroying an effort like this would be in destroying our family, for sure. That's been the biggest challenge for me. You know, there's been some real pain in those areas of, uh, you know, trying to communicate with my wife through that, or, or laying down ideas or dreams that we might have had, and then uh, even for the children too. You know, it 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 hasn't been all roses for yeah. sure. It's been pretty challenging at times. Um, and specifically, I think for me. Um, that's been the biggest challenge for mm-hmm. sure. It's trying to figure out how to do family well when I know that's not all. That's not the entirety of what God has called me to. And I, mm-hmm. I would challenge any father or mother to that. Is is you know because I do get responses from people sometimes. Uh, I actually had a guy approach me a while back. He said, "Man, I love what you guys do, but we just can't do that because of the season that we're in right now." Mm-hmm. And I'm going, we're, that's the season we're in, too. <laughs> but you're still doing you know? it. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah. I'm not I'm not trying to sound like we somehow have it figured out. We, by any, no means, have it figured mm-hmm. out. That's been the most challenging area, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. What about uh, when you reflect, what about highlights? Like, what are some of your, like, when you think about a highlight, what are the top one or two that are just instant right there? Oh, yeah, I, I could share a lot of stories of highlights. God is faithful, for sure, to move. Um, You know, instances like that conversation in morning devotions when I began to realize the light bulb went on in my mind going, this is way bigger than I am. Yeah. That was a highlight for me. And you get to be a part of it. Like, come on. Yeah, I'm a small piece of the puzzle, but I'm a piece of the puzzle. (laughs) And that's awesome. Uh, But specifically, you know, I would point to times like uh, usually a highlight came after a period of deep discouragement or disappointment. Mm. And I'm not going to lie, there were times, plenty of times, when I wanted to quit. Everything within me wanted to quit. And then you see God break loose in someone's life again, and you're like, every fiber of your being comes alive, (laughs) right? This is why I'm alive. This is like snowboarding and elk hunting combined on steroids. I don't even know if that's a sport, but it sounds cool, you know? It sounds extreme and living on the edge where every fiber would need to be alive. Yes, and so I I think I've caught a glimpse of of like the thrill seekers that – you know, do sports that are almost semi-dangerous, but they do it because it makes you come alive. Mm. Um, so specific highlights would be like, I remember one one morning in 2019, I was especially discouraged, really wanted to quit, woke up in the camper, was supposed to lead devotions that morning and was not feeling very spiritual or holy, right? I was not in in uh, the right frame of mind, mm. you know, so to speak. And I didn't want to talk to anyone, but I had to go over to the church, plaster a smile on my face, and lead devotions. And I remember telling God that morning, and I was I don't think I was being unrealistic with him, because I didn't ask him to fix everything. I actually specifically remember praying and saying, God, you don't have to fix all my problems. I don't even expect that. 
but just let me know that you're here. Mm. And uh, nothing really happened. You know, the sky didn't split open. There was no thunderbolts or lightning. Mm. So I went over to the church, and we started having this, this devotional discussion, and um, one of the volunteers ended up giving his life to Christ that mm. morning right there in devotions. And yeah. I was like, God is here. He yeah. reminded me that he's here. That was a highlight for me, really, it was. Um, and then, you know, I would point back to other things that people have done along the way that really encouraged me. One big highlight for me was when I remember talking to you about the fact that we're going to now start a nonprofit. We're going to start an organization. It's going to be official. And I remember uh, the day that you told me that Alliance Network, then Branch Network, wants to invest $1,000 to help us get started. Mm. I mean, you don't realize how that lit my fire. Mm. I was like, man, someone believes in this. Mm. Um this summer, just this past summer, we were working on the project in Alaska, and I got in my truck one morning, and there was an envelope in there with $9,000 in it Unreal. in cash <laughs> for Flashpoint missions. I don't know who gave it, yeah. but those people have no idea how yeah. that launches me, how that encourages us. Mm. Um, and I think God sends those things and prompts people to do those things for those specific reasons. But certainly I would look back to... The people that have gotten saved, for yeah. sure. Because that's what it's about, ultimately. That trumps any other victory or any other highlight. Mm. And there have been multiple ones, all glory to God. Um, some of them I'm still friends with today. Mm. And this summer we got to baptize a few young men. Come on. Those are highlights. Yeah. I could go on all day. <laughs> <laughs> There's just so many highlights, yeah. right? So you, you probably answered this already, but... When, when you look at the challenges and especially mm. what you've needed to navigate as a family and that continual process, again, what I'm hearing you say is it's not a finished product. You're still, you're still trying to figure this thing out, especially in a family context. And it sounds like that will continue, especially as the children then get into different age groups and different growth processes. So when you think about the challenges and, and needing to navigate that as a family, and then you also think about the highlights. When you really comes down to it, why do you do it? Certainly, I would point to those highlights. I mean, there are moments when it's undeniable. Mm. Like I told Catherine this summer a few times, it's like you have one of those encounters and you're just like, this is why I'm alive. Yeah. This is why God made me. This is why I'm here. But I think even beyond that, at a more... Uh, cause and effect level, I think it boils down to the simple concept that we carry God within us. Mm. God's heart is for salvation Mm. and freedom. And so we do it because we carry God within us and we Mm. can do no other. Mm. Right? It's like Paul says, it's a holy addiction. (laughs) Uh, I hope I have another relapse. (laughs) We can do no other. God compels us Mm. and calls us and meets us there. And so as much as, you know, when we're discouraged, we think, why don't we just quit? Mm. I know what would happen if we would quit. Mm. We would have to start again. We're mm. compelled to yeah. by Christ within us. Yeah. That's ultimately kind of a philosophical answer, but that's why we do what <laughs> we do. There's an underlying current there. Yeah. Of, yeah. It won't go away. Yeah. That's beautiful. And, you know, even we're talking about Scripture, Romans 8 talks about all creation is groaning for the fulfillment of the original design that God created. And you get to do it in this context, mm-hmm. in some beautiful places in the world, mm-hmm. in beautiful areas of creation. Nice little bonus on the side for that sure. you get to do that. Um, so I know when we talked about our conversation a bit earlier, you mm-hmm. I, we were talking about what's one-time life 
what's one lifetime principle you seek to live by and you didn't really feel like you had one uh, but your best attempt at answering that as you think about again the family business missions uh, impacting people living a life of significance what's a principle that you seek to live by or implement in your day-to-day life per se regardless of the context yeah, as I thought about that question, the, the only thing that I really came to my mind is one of the verses of Scripture that I seek to live by, not suggesting that I've arrived, but it's Galatians 2.20. It is no longer I who live, but mm. Christ who lives in me, right? And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved mm. me and gave himself up for me. And essentially, uh, the the principle that I would seek to live by at least is... I must decrease that he may increase. Mm. Um, and I, I realize that's kind of evasive and it doesn't really mm. flesh anything out for you. But ultimately, I, when I think of uh, we have discussions about living lives of significance or leaving a legacy, if you mm. will, some people say it that way, or having an impact. And I'm not going to lie. I, I do care about what people say about me after I die. Mm. I do care about living a life of significance. Mm. I do care about making a difference. But ultimately, I'm less concerned about what they write on my gravestone <laughs> than I am about what God writes on the hearts of other people. Mm. And if he chooses to use me or my family to do that, all glory and honor to him. That's mm. not a credit to me. Mm. That's not a legacy that I can take any credit for. Mm. And so ultimately, that's a life principle that I strive for, that I try to live for, that I want to live for, is I'm not building my kingdom. Mm. I'm not even building my legacy. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing what I do because mm. I'm that concerned about the books that someone yeah. might write. Yeah, It's Jesus, yeah. Uh, ultimately. It's yeah. the only reason everything that I am mm. and everything that I do is by the grace of God yeah. for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. That might sound sort of pat and well prepared, but honestly, that's my <laughs> only answer to that life principle. Yeah, uh, I yeah. cannot determine that. I cannot yeah. govern that. I can't yeah. even accomplish it. Mm. It is simply the blood of Jesus Christ flowing through my veins that brings forth any kind of fruit. Yeah, and even you talk about leaving a legacy, and that's been something I've been chewing on the last couple of years as well. So I believe, like again, like morally, character wise, like we want to we want to be intentional. We want to do yes. our part, right? We don't we we, we don't want to be complacent. But even, again, if you think back to the conversation we're talking about earlier, if we're even seeing 1% of our impact, like, can we handle that, number one? Mm-hmm. And like, I know we couldn't handle the 100% if we actually saw it, if we're living a life of influence, of significance. But how often do can we actually determine someone's legacy even the moment they die? Right. I mean, you look at some of the, the most significant lives, you've actually seen the significance 50, 100 years yes. down the road. Mm-hmm. And so who are we to equate and say, oh, man, they left. Like, again, there, there's there's moral character. There's sure. We love people, all of that. But how often can we say, oh, man, they left a great legacy? Uh, I often think, okay, legacy actually takes a little more time to percolate, to marinate, to, mm-hmm. to really form until you actually have a clear picture. It's true. Uh, so if you think about, we, we talked about this at one of our last retreats, it's still on my mind around there's a, in financial world, there's a compound interest calculator. You know, you put X amount in and over 30 years, whatever it becomes. Mm -hmm. But then at our retreat with this conversation around, well, what's a compound calculator in life? 
So you put this into the compound calculator and equate into this. Mm -hmm. I, I don't expect you to have the answer. I really don't. But it's more the idea of what you're investing your life into. What would you hope it would compound into over time? Mm -hmm. um, well, obviously, I hope that it compounds into more glory for Christ. And that's mm -hmm. kind of an obvious follow-up to what <laughs> yeah. I just said earlier. Right, yeah. I mean, to get more specific, you know, I would love to see it compound into mobilizing people into building the kingdom that otherwise may never have mobilized. Yeah. I'd love it to I'd love to see it have the effect of calling people higher, mm. nearer to Christ, mm. higher mm -hmm. and really to spurring people to action because I think a lot of times we sit like this and we discuss ideas. Yeah. People love ideas. <laughs> ideas are so much fun. But practically, what yeah. does that mean when I get up for breakfast tomorrow morning? That's right. right. Yeah. Ideas are noble. They sound great. Mm. People cheer and clap when you're done presenting an idea. Uh, but if it if the rubber never meets the road, it's useless. It doesn't mm. really mean anything. Mm. And so I would love to see uh, whatever I've invested my life into actually spur someone into action that otherwise... They may never have taken. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, Jesus calls us to the ultimate application of delayed gratification. Mm. You know, investors would understand that principle. Mm -hmm. If you have a cash cow, if you have $80,000 and you go, well, I want that. I, I can go buy a new truck or mm. I can go on a vacation. I'm not going to give that away. And you say, no, what if actually I laid that down? put it into something and waited mm. and worked hard for the next five years, your 80000 is now something much greater. Mm. And now you don't get to just buy a new, you know, put a down payment on a new truck. You get to cash it off the lot. <laughs> you don't get to just take a vacation. You get to buy a vacation home. Mm. That's delayed gratification. It's mm. return on investment. We understand yeah. that principle. Somehow or another, so many times, I feel like the wires don't connect in our brain and apply that to our life at large in mm. the context of the promises that Jesus Christ has so made. Good. So he good. He said, I, you have something right now. Mm. You have life. I'm giving you breath in your lungs. Are you willing to lay that down and wait? Mm. Are you willing to put that into something mm. where you don't get to rest tomorrow? Mm. Your vacation is delayed. Your gratification, you, are you willing? Mm. Or are you going to take the, uh, the $80,000, so to speak, and put a down payment on a truck and take a nice long vacation because yeah. at the end of that, all you're left with is memories and truck payments. <laughs> and that's not really what Jesus Christ has called us to. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you take the breath that he's given you today mm. and imply the investment, the obvious investment strategies, yeah. of course he's going to compound it. Mm -hmm. And the impact will be far, far greater than we can calculate. Like yeah. you said, you don't see it. Yeah. You never know it. Yeah. But that's not the point because we're not keeping score. Yeah. We're not adding up at the end of the day and seeing who's tallied up the most interest. Yeah. It's for the glory of Christ. We're not even capable of that. No. Yeah. And so he compounds it. Yeah. We don't even see it. Yeah. But we believe that he compounds yeah. it. Because if there's anything that I've learned through all of this is that I think I always knew that God was good and that God was faithful, but I have discovered that he is better than we have ever imagined. Come on. And his faithfulness exceeds mm. anything that we can conjure up in our minds or yeah. put down on a piece of paper yeah. or write in a book. Yeah. You can't quantify it. Yeah. It's bigger and better <laughs> than we could have imagined. Come on. And you can't plumb the depth of that. You can't add it up. Yeah. It doesn't fit into our mathematical process, mm. but it's there. It's real. 
Mm. It's not just an idea. Mm. God is that good, and mm. he compounds all of this. Mm. And when you step out in faith, you actually begin to discover that in greater measure because Amen. you don't know what you don't know until you step into it, right? Amen. Yeah. So if somebody is being spurred to action and they're intrigued by Flashpoint um, website, where can they go to learn more about what you guys are doing and get into the game? So you can find us on our website, flashpointmissions.org. Um, you, you can sign up for our monthly e-newsletter. That kind of keeps you up to date on where mm. we're going next, the current projects we have, and usually any other organizational news like mm. transitioning staff members or board members. That's mm. a, a great way to stay in touch. Yeah. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram. Mm. We throw reels out there for our work projects and our mm. teams that are currently active. Um, so, yeah, there's different ways you can find us on social media like mm. that. And we have an annual banquet in the wintertime where we mm. try to sort of roll out Celebrate what God has done the year before and sort of roll out where we're going in the next yeah. year. So that's always a fun event yeah. to have people come and meet us face to face. So, yeah, those are some different yeah. ways that you can connect. Yeah. Well, so good to have you here, man. So, again, just so appreciate our friendship. Looking forward to another X amount, however many years of friendship it's still be had. But thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for uh, being intentional with your family, uh, community, people around the globe. Such a privilege. Again, all honor and glory to God, but there's a personal mm-hmm. sacrifice to that. And as a friend, I say I see it. I believe in you guys, and thank you for what you're investing. Um, and if anybody wants to um, get in the game, cannot recommend anybody um, more than Flashpoint Missions. Let's put it that way. And so uh, it's a privilege to have our guests with us. Thanks for joining in. If you want to learn more about Alliance Network, you can hop on our website as well, allianceus.org. And... Um, just wish you the fullness of uh, God's blessing as you live out the life of significance God is calling you to, whether it's missions, uh, business, uh, whatever it is, spheres of education. Just wish you God's blessing as you guys serve um, wherever God is calling you. So blessings to our guests, and thanks, Dash, uh, for coming in. Thanks for having me. It's been a privilege, and it's been fun. <laughs> Come on. Blessings. Blessings.